The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders. And today, we'll be discussing CTV ad targeting and navigating today's marketing measurement challenges. Joining me today is Chris Kelly, who is the CEO at Upwave. Upwave is a fast-growing analytics company providing ML-driven brand advertising, measurement technology, and intelligence via SaaS platform to the world's leading brands agencies, and media partners. Yesterday, Chris and I talked about effective CTV ad targeting and measurement. And today we're going to be talking about navigating today's marketing measurement challenges. Okay, here's my conversation with Chris Kelly, the CEO at Upwave. Chris, we did a good job of not crying, openly weeping yesterday. Good job. Great conversation. The crying would have been about the Eagles. Crying on the inside only. Football is life in Pennsylvania. If you haven't figured that out, folks, especially the Eagles, and we're going to mention the Steelers too. But Chris, we started talking about how we measure impact, and you did a really nice job of sort of helping people understand that quite often, and we talked about B2B versus B2C marketers, but the B2C marketers are smart enough and have enough experience understanding what's top of funnel versus what's bottom of funnel. And that's really the starting place, I think, for our conversation, which is first, how do you make sure that marketers are appropriately deploying channels so that measurement's effective? That could be three episodes, I think, Chris. So what I'm going to do is narrow us down into some portion of that. I'm going to I'm going to share a conversation I ever heard the other day. One of my favorite podcasts. Sorry, Martech Podcast. I'm going to cheat on you here for a second. Is the Revenue Marketing Report hosted by Kamala Thompson? It's an amazing podcast, and she got Rand Fishkin on the phone. I get to hear an early preview of this, and this was the conversation that came out of that. What I'm going to ask you to respond to it, Chris, which is a lot of marketers have over time sort of given up or thrown up their hands when it comes to attribution. Upwave can't have that happen, right? Your business model is based on the idea of ensuring that better and better measurement results in more spend and better targeting, which results in more spend, meaning more benefits. So what I heard in that was, look, at the end of the day, marketers don't trust attribution because the big platform providers, we talked about Google and Google TV as an example, or sorry, YouTube TV, should be called Google TV, by the way. 
But quite often, they're claiming more and more of the pie because they want to justify the spend that you have for them. So I'm going to start you there, Chris. How much of that, in your perspective, especially when it comes to Upwave and how you guys look at the world, how much of this has to do with marketers not trusting the platform providers, the very providers that you guys end up servicing? How much does that factor in how marketers think about marketing measurement? It totally does. We call that grading your own homework when the platform that takes your ad dollars gets to tell you whether it worked. And my gosh, you'd be shocked, Doug. Those dollars always pay off when the platform gets to measure their own ads and grade their own homework. And to your comment, I agree with you on the branding opportunity for YouTube TV. If anyone is listening to this from Google, you have two dedicated YouTube TV subscribers on the pod. I thought it should be called YTV. Nice and simple. If there's no trademark issues there, because every time I tell someone about YouTube TV, they say, I have YouTube. I say, no, I'm talking about something else. And they get confused. And I, <laughs> my referral failed. So if you're listening to YouTube TV, call yourself YTV or something simpler. So yeah, the grading their own homework is a major challenge. We have conversations every day with marketers and their media agencies who buy ads and then put the Upwave software on the campaign to measure whether those ads work because we are able to measure certain platform slide snaps and we can't measure others, i.e. a lot of walled gardens. I respect that. We don't mean to come at this from a negative standpoint towards the walled gardens. They have a right to run their business as they see fit. And clearly it's working. They're, They're all thriving. So we understand their perspective. But we have conversations with them every week saying, here's why marketers want third-party measurement. They want a company, and we're not even saying it doesn't need to be us. If you choose someone besides Upwave to grade the homework, great. But have someone else grade the homework besides the platform that's selling the ads. So that is a problem. It does create some, uh, I think the narrative you mentioned is correct. It creates some, I don't think it creates disbelief about measurement in general, but it certainly creates some anxiety that, oh, if I get a bar chart on every campaign, the bar chart always shows growth on the campaign because I advertise on 18 platforms and I got 18 bar charts showing the campaign worked. Then how would that work? I, I've heard someone joke about this. If I They say, if I believe the sales lift studies of I got from every platform I invested in, then my growth would be infinite. <laughs> like, so there is a problem when you have, one, the grading their own homework effect and also the balkanization effect. If you get just a measurement report back from every platform you ran, or you may, Media Plan could have dozens and dozens of endpoints, right? You're putting your ads on dozens of dozens of different sites and apps and channels, et cetera. So this balkanization measurement is a problem. And I think it does maybe lead to that fatigue. I don't know if you used that word from the RAND interview you mentioned. That was my takeaway. There's just fatigue around measurement. So I think that that is real. And the conversations we have with marketers about this is to first take a step back and say, what is the point of your advertising? What do you want? And, and the industry calls that outcomes. So we make sure marketers can separate their delivery metrics from their audience metrics from their outcomes metrics. And if your listeners bear with me to walk through that framework, you can think of it as delivery metrics are what happens about the ad running itself. So the ad hit the screen or the ears of the right of the device it was supposed to. So there's all sorts of metrics that successful measuring companies run that showed that was the ad delivered properly? Was it viewable? Was it in a brand safe environment? Was it a real person? Was it not a fraudulent impression? So all those viewability, brand safe, fraud, invalid traffic metrics are about delivery. Did the ad actually do what it's supposed to and hit the right device, which is important. Without that, then you can stop the music because you got no benefit from the campaign. Okay, after delivery metrics, you think your audience metrics, the ad actually reached the right person, which is both counting how many people it reached and then making sure you hit the right person. So I would put Nielsen ratings in this bucket. So Nielsen ratings, how linear TV was measured for decades, is really an audience metric. It just tells you, okay, how many people saw it? How many people watched the football game? The, how many millions of people, tens of million people watched the NFL game over the weekend? So that's an audience metric. 
And then there's outcome metrics, which is what actually happened. So as you can imagine, you could have great delivery metrics and great audience metrics and no outcome metrics. And my rule of thumb, my kind of cheeky rule of thumb for this, I call the white box test, which is imagine that your ad was literally a white box and whatever screen it's running, just a, a, nothing but white pixels. <laughs> you can actually have a, with a banner ad or a TV ad, whatever it is. You could have a white box that had great delivery metrics, great audience metrics, and no outcomes, right? It could be in a brand safe, non-fraudulent, real human viewable environment. So the white box hit the screen and was above the fold and people saw it. The white box was delivered to the right people who are in market for your product. And a lot of them saw it, great audience metrics, but would you pay money for your ad to be a white box? Like I would hope not. So you need an outcome. And that's why I think the industry's headed is let's, delivery metrics are important, they're table stakes. Audience metrics are important, they're table stakes. But outcomes are where all the energy should be going in the industry in 2024, because that is what matters. That's the why you advertise. That's, that's telling you the point of advertising, get an outcome. But an outcome doesn't need to just be a sale. I think that's why it's important in the previous episode. And thanks for having me back. I guess it means I did not put your listeners to sleep if I was invited back. But in the previous episode, we mentioned how not every play you run in football gets you into the end zone. Some plays get you down the field. And you need to think of your outcomes that way. So a framework that is often used is brand outcomes, behavioral outcomes, and business outcomes. So brand outcomes would mean you change the consumer's mind about your brand or your product. They have different attitude about it, different beliefs about it, higher awareness, higher favorability. They associate it with a trait you want them to be. This Your product is safe. Your product is family friendly. Your product's affordable. Your product's healthy. That's a brand outcome. You change the world's mind about your product, which is important. And that's moving them down the funnel. Or a behavioral outcome, meaning they did something. They went to the website. They signed up for a test drive. They searched for your product. They're not going to buy it, but they searched for it. So either it's a mid-funnel outcome. Then there's a business outcome. So someone signed up for your product. They renewed. You prevented a churn. You got a higher higher share of wallet. You got a bigger sale than you would have without running yet. So they had a business outcome. So different outcomes and those, of course, mostly correlate to upper funnel, mid funnel, lower funnel, those brand outcomes, behavioral outcomes, business outcomes. So those are what advertisers should aim for. So to your long answer to your short question of how should marketers think of deploying their CTV dollars, the short answer is get an outcome and know what outcome you're measuring and measure the incremental part of it. So that's a whole other thread about the attribution versus incrementality school thought, which happy to get into if that if that's worth unpacking. But make sure you get an outcome that is incremental, meaning that it's because of the advertising. It's not just something that you ran ads and then someone went to your website and you have no idea if the ad caused them to go to your website. So that's our stump speech to marketers of what they should be aiming for with their CTV deployments. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. 
Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. And ultimately, what we're talking about here is multi-touch attribution. And I sort of tee this up for you in the context of how do marketers deploy the right channels to take the right action? I love your analogy with football, right? Not every play is a touchdown. In fact, some plays are entirely just about moving the ball slightly further forward. So what is this idea of multi-touch attribution? Take that same model you talked about, and then just walk me through what a multi-touch attribution might be in the context of understanding each channel's application within a, let's call that a funnel. There, maybe I have a subversive view you don't fully expect on this, which is you actually need to be very careful on MTA and where it leads you. And MTA is not actually an incrementality metric. So we have, I have fairly strong views of that from watching thousands and thousands and thousands of campaigns be run and then markers trying to understand the results of them. So my, I'll start with the acute analogy, which shows the risk of just attribution as a concept. I'll use a last click attribution story versus a multi-touch attribution so some of your listeners may have heard this famous parable of the pizza store. So a, a, say a pizza store in New York City had a promotion where they wanted to hand out coupons to drive more sales, as a lot of marketers do. And then they hired some local teenagers to hand out coupons. And they said, well, how would we measure the effectiveness of these coupons? I got it. Write, write the teenager's name on the back of the coupon so we can track, right? That seems like a clever way to attribute the impact of the coupons to the pizza sales. So they handed out coupons to five teenagers. They spread around New York City. At the end of the day, one teenager just crushed the other ones, had like the most, had a huge amount of pizza sales compared to the others. And the store owner said, hey, teenager who won the contest, how did you get so many pizza sales? He said, it was easy. I stood at the front door and I handed coupons to people walking in. <laughs> some people could argue that some search channels work that way. I'm coming to your website anyways, and I click on the ad after searching for it. And to give credit to that as causing the sale seems silly. Just like you wouldn't say that teenager drove any sales, right? That teenager at the front door actually cost you money because those people are walking in anyways. And you could argue that revenue loss from the coupons was outweighed by any increase in the likelihood to buy a slice of pizza because I had the coupon. So attribution can be dangerous if you think of it that way. You can't just assume that because an action happened and then a sale happened that the action caused the sale. So that's a school of thought on incrementality, which is kind of, I won't say it's so dramatic to be a religious war between incrementality thinking and attribution thinking, but there is kind of a clear divide. In attribution, you're just tying event A to event B, and you don't know if there's any causal link. In incrementality thinking, you're looking to prove that the event a caused event B. So you can spend more money on event A being the consumer saw the ad and event being the outcome, the brand bump, the behavioral bump, the sales bump, et cetera. So in incrementality thinking, which we encourage marketers to take whatever their goals, and, and most of this is measured outside of upweights. This isn't meant to be, even be self-serving. Like we don't measure behavioral outcomes. We don't measure business outcomes. So this is not meant to be self-serving. And we say, care about an incremental bump. And the way you do that is by having a control group. So you actually, when you run marketing, you don't just run ads to people and then say who bought from amongst who was touched because that's kind of the pizza coupon thinking. You actually have control groups. So you can show it's experimental design, right? The scientists amongst your podcast listening said realize, aha, this is how scientists would do experimental design. And that's been around in measurement for a couple decades in digital, but really has gained steam in the last five, 10 years of marketers realizing I need to 
understand, I can look at who had the outcome from people who saw my ads, but also I should have a pod of people who didn't see my ads, a control group. And there's various ways of tracking who didn't see your ads and depending on the channel and see whether they had an outcome. And that's really the only way to measure the incremental bump, right? That's incrementality thinking. Because say if your control group and exposed group had the same amount of sales or the same brand awareness or the same website visits, then you would conclude that the people seeing your ads didn't behave any differently. The people didn't see the ads. Meaning the ads didn't actually give you the outcome you wanted. So that's our hopefully not too subversive view on this. And there's clearly value in MTA. There's plenty of diagnostic value you get from tracking MTA and understanding the region. You can detect some misbehavior of media partners using using MTA in some cases. But to really know where you should be investing your money, you have to have incrementality mindset because that lets you understand if the ads actually led to a different world than you would have had without advertising. Final question for you today, Chris. How much of misuse or misunderstanding of attribution, let's not even worry about multi-touch. We can get into a big conversation about the value of chain-based versus W-shaped versus last versus first touch. All of them have their virtues depending on how you're looking at things. Is this as much about marketers just not understanding how to deploy their channels? Yeah, I think it's about a few things. I think it's about, and we won't be able to touch on all of them in one pod, but It's about finance misunderstanding of marketing payoffs. So I have empathy for CMOs who get yelled at by CFOs for marketing payoffs. I'm not sitting in their seat, so I understand. You can't always, we call it the CMO's dilemma, where you can do the right thing and get fired or do the wrong thing to keep your job, but you know you're knowingly doing the wrong thing with your marketing dollars. So some of this is finance needs to understand a longer-term viewpoint and not just demand short-term payoff from it. So that's one problem, macro problem to be solved. So if any CFOs are listening, please reach out. Happy to talk more about it. They all just clicked off. So that's one part of it. Another part of it is being great at marketing is different than being great at media. Being great at media is different than being great at measurement. So I like when I see brands have chief measurement officers or chief analytic officers. Put a C-level person who brings this type of sophisticated thinking into the C-suite for a conversation. When you're deploying capital, you don't just look at a simple spreadsheet. There are so many talented analytics folks out there who should be chief analytics officers at major brands. I think that's a second problem. And the third problem is, I think, really just the incentives of those with the power. Like we mentioned earlier, people who grade their own homework and refuse to allow third-party measurement, that just creates some kind of FUD, some fear and certainty doubt in the industry of of measurement and makes it harder for marketers to think more holistically across their media plan and the interplay between investing in, in site A versus site B and the people who see ads on both site A and site B versus just site A and site B. That gets harder when you have siloed, balkanized, grade your own homework measurement from Walls Garden. So... Those are the world problems I would try to solve. Not as important as world peace, but those are the three main themes that we see that we're trying to help solve in the advertising industry. Yeah, and let's uh, you know, let's let's face it. Uh, you know, I, I saw Facebook chase themselves down the credibility curve. Um, you know, it's been a long time since B two B and B two C marketers fully trust data from Meta because it was so clearly they were over attributing. Yeah, and this is back to the idea of the wall garden and grading your own homework, if you will. But I'm unfortunately, I'm watching Google chase themselves down that same curve with GA4. If anybody has recently had experience and suddenly wondering in your transition to GA4, why your direct channel suddenly went through the roof, well, let me tell you, Google doesn't know where to put the traffic. So great conversation today and yesterday, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, that wraps up this MarTech Insider episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Chris Kelly, Central Pennsylvanian and CEO of Upwave for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Chris, You can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Chris Kelly, or visit his company website at upwave.com.
Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Martech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap. B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.